I know they're very anxiously awaiting so all our children ages 5 to 11 can find their teachers and even our 12 to 14 year olds can also head back here to the side to find their teachers as well as they're going to be in their classes and learn about Christ on their same level. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 43. I want to read two verses as we begin this morning. Isaiah 43, verses 6 and 7. And as the Holy Spirit of God inspired the prophet in the 8th century B.C., he says, I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Everything, exactly everything that God does is for that very purpose. So that God's magnificence and his majesty, his glory can be displayed. That's what God does and that is what we at ECC Off Island are all about. We have recognized God's supreme value. We have recognized God's supreme worth and how supremely splendid he is, and we sense his glory when we feel his presence, when we taste his goodness, and we experience his immeasurable value. And that is why we gather every Friday morning, is to just get a glimpse of his glory and have our hearts so stirred that it propels us to then go out every single day and to live in such a way that we are reflecting the very glory of God. As he says here, his children have gathered, and that's who we are, and gathered from where? Has called us from afar. And so his daughters and his sons have gathered from every corner of the world to Abu Dhabi. He has brought us here. He has called us from afar, and he's assembled us as one body so that we who have been created for his glory, can recognize it and then display it. And as a church, we have heard the call of our master Jesus, who has said, will you come follow me? Will you come and be my follower, my lifelong committed learner and follower, and will you then go into the world that I have called you, not to leave the world, but to go be in the world and to go and display my glory Will we as a church glorify God by making and developing disciples? Because that is why we are here. We've been talking about this mission for the last several weeks. And we're, we're getting close to the end of this series, this laying brick by brick, laying a foundation for why exactly are we here. It's there in your notes. We are here for one purpose. And there are many things that we could do, but we are here. Our mission is to glorify God. And we do that by making and developing disciples. And we've been looking in this series in John 17. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there to John 17. And as you look, I will remind you, again, it's in your notes. It's been there every week for the last month and a half. That our strategy for how we're going to accomplish our mission. So we understand our mission. Well, how are we going to do it? Well, I like things being simple. I can get very complex. That's not hard for me. But I want to simplify things and say, well, here's just three key words that we must all do continuously. 
all of us individually and us as a group, as a gathered body of believers, we must live lives of growth, of every day pursuing Christ and growing. We must pursue lives of community. And we'll begin looking next week as it closes here, the last two weeks. We must live lives of influence for Christ as we go out and make disciples. And so three key words, we must do all of them. That's why it's a circle continually. And so we've been looking last week and then today on following Jesus in community. Now, one thing I want to mention, if you look in your bulletin, you will see there's an India mission trip. You see, we want to make disciples both locally and globally. You think, well, globally, the whole globe is here. And yes, in a lot of ways it is. But we also desire to go and make disciples in places that otherwise wouldn't hear the gospel. And so the deadline to sign up for this Indian mission trip is in three days, on the 12th. And so today is the last Friday that we're going to be announcing this. We've heard about it for weeks. We even heard Kevin Phillips oversees that ministry fam. He preached a few weeks ago. And we're going to go. I'm going, and if you've ever already signed up, we're going to go, and we're going to preach the gospel in these small kind of rural villages, and we're going to do it not like this. It's not going to be a big preaching thing. It's going to be in small groups. It's going to be in story form. All of you can do this. There's no one here that is unable to just tell a story. And so if your heart beats fast to share the gospel with Indians in a story form, then you've got to come to India. And if you're saying, well, man, I just really want to go, but I don't know if I have the resources, just come talk to me. It's important that you honestly consider this. We're doing it as a church, and so that's one way that we're making disciples globally as a church. But back to John 17, where we've been in this series and learning about our mission and how we're going to accomplish it. Today, we're talking about following Jesus in community. We began it last week. We finished this today. Let's read in John 17, verses 20 through 23. And here's what Jesus prayed for. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. This is an incredible passage. Jesus prayed, he says, not only for the 12 that were listening, Jesus prayed for those who will believe, for those that will one day follow him. He was praying for you. He was praying for me. He was literally praying for those that centuries later would believe. But what did he pray for that what we just read? In your notes, today's main idea the thought that's going to govern our thoughts for the next half hour, the main idea is that we must have unity. There in your notes. We must have unity in order to accomplish the mission. Three times in this brief passage, Jesus prays 
for unity. In verse 21, Jesus says that they may all be one. Verse 22, he says that they may be one even as we are one. And then verse 23, he says that they may become perfectly one. And so Jesus kind of has this theme going on here in this very short section on that they may, that we, future believers, ECC off island, 2,000 years later, that she would be one. But why? Why is that so important? Why does it matter so much? Well, I just alluded to it in the main idea. We must be one so that we can then accomplish our mission. Now, we began last week talking about community. Now, we started last week talking about this, but talking about the church as a whole and how it's critical that you commit to a local church. And we mentioned last week how living in Abu Dhabi can be very transient, and people tend to come and go but not really commit, not really serve, and not really give themselves and not really commit to a local church and how that's just against the scriptures. And yes, even church membership is important. And so we talked about joining and being part of the community of faith last week. Kind of think of a funnel where the top end is kind of larger, and as you go down, it gets smaller on the bottom. That's kind of how this is. Last week, we talked about the large end, how you had to be part of a local church. But today, we're going to funnel down and get to the smaller end of that funnel and talking about community and how we have to be part of small discipleship groups how it's not enough to come to church on Friday morning. It's necessary. It's important. And you need to come and see others and praise God publicly and hear the word. This is critical for your spiritual growth, but it's not the end all or be all of your life. It's not. You need the small end of the funnel. You need community that is small discipleship groups. Here at ECC Off Island, we call them home groups. And so throughout this morning, as we look at this passage a little bit more deeply, we're going to see specifically how home groups are important and why they matter and why I want to honestly challenge you to consider joining one. All right, so main idea is we need unity. If we're going to accomplish the goal, making disciples, we need unity. Now, if you've been in church for a long time, this is nothing new. This is not novel. We should get along. I mean, we know this. We teach our children, get along, have unity. Sure, that's nothing new. But what exactly unites us as a church? What are the realities? What are the truths that we must cling to that will unite us as one body, that we be perfectly one as Jesus prayed? By the way, there are many different things, many different realities that a lot of times churches use to rally together and to share in common and to be united. A lot of churches, honestly, they unite them around the nationality. There are a lot of churches that what binds them together is their race. That's what binds them. The reason why they go to church is when they go, they meet other people that look like them, sound like them, come from the same home country. And so they go to a church that's united around just nationality. 
other churches, that's not their thing. A lot of churches unite around just their personal preferences. Oh, this church, man, they have a great children's ministry. And so everyone goes to that church because they're all shoppers and they all want what's best. And, and they're not looking to serve, but they're looking to be served. And so they all go because this church has just a rocking music ministry maybe. Or they'll pick their favorite program. And then this important part of their church, this what should be just a segment, becomes the end all. And churches sometimes get united around just one particular ministry or just one program or a preference. There are churches, I'm not saying here, definitely not in this church, but back in the U.S., that you know what unites them? They're bigger than life celebrity pastor. I mean, there are churches that have 20, 30, 40,000 people, and their pastor's on TV, and their pastor writes all kinds of books, and oh, I go to Blank's church like it belongs to the pastor. And everyone says, well, I go to his church. And he's like, no, you don't. It belongs to Jesus. Jesus died for her. He is the one that has sanctified her. He is the head. Pastors are just under shepherds. But there are churches that really are united around a personality in the pulpit. It's just too small. Any of these things that could unite the church, really, they're just too small. What should truly be the force revealed in God's word that is the basis? What should unite us as a body? Well, let's find out in this passage. Three truths, all right? What unites us as a church? Number one, they're in your notes, the word of God. So your first blank, the first truth that should unite us as a church is the word, the word of God. Verse 20, we just read it. I'll read it again. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe, that's us, through their word. And so he's praying for the initial 12, that through their word, others in the future will believe and be one, be perfectly one. And so those that will believe, have believed because of the word of the original disciples, the apostles. They're the ones that first proclaimed the gospel. The apostles, they're the ones that first made disciples for Jesus. They're the ones that the Spirit of God inspired and wrote the New Testament. And it's the book of Matthew. Who was he? A disciple. The book of John, what we're reading today. Who was he? A disciple. Peter, he wrote some books. Who was he? A disciple. There are others, like Luke, he was a disciple, but he was an associate of Paul. And so every single book in the New Testament bears apostolic authority. It was written by a disciple or a close associate of one. And so every single book in the New Testament bears apostolic authority. Someone that walked with Jesus, was inspired by the Spirit, or by Paul, who wasn't one of the original, but he was called an apostle to the Greeks. And so what he is saying here is that the church, not just this one, but the universal holy church of God, of all believers everywhere, our foundation is based upon God's word that was revealed, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and given to the apostles. And they preached it. 
And it's been preached and been preached and been preached over the centuries, and it has now reached our ears. 2,000 years later in the Middle East, we have heard the very same gospel that the apostles themselves preached because of the power of the Spirit being moved on and carried by the Spirit. And so now today we are the beneficiaries. And we are united around this gospel, around the word of God that was revealed to these men. These men were not special. They were men, humans, just like you and me. What made them special is the Holy Spirit that used them, just like you can be used by the Holy Spirit as well. And so our faith, if you will, when we're talking about our faith, it is founded on the word of God. Now, when using the word faith, you have to understand that in the original language that there's three words that we use in English that is the same word in the original. And so when you use the word faith or the word believe or the word trust, it has the exact same root. It's the same word in the original language. And so if you read, like it says in verse 20, those who will believe because of the word, the word believe is the same word for faith, same word for trust. And it really makes sense. What you trust in, you believe in, you have your trust in. They're all related. Now, we used the words in English. It was one word in the original. And so what he says here is those who will believe in me through the word of the disciples, the original apostles, those who will have faith in me, those who will trust in me, the word of pistis in the original. And so here's the point. He's talking about the fact that we are united around the fact that all of us believe we have faith in Jesus as he's been revealed in the word. And we don't unite around our programs or our race. We, we are united. We share in common a hunger for the word of God. That's what we share. We have this in common, a, a unsatiable yearning and a hunger and a thirst for the word. But your faith that you have, by the way, is a direct response to the faithfulness of God. You see, any faith that you have in him, you have. It's reciprocated. It is a direct response to the original faithfulness that God has shown you. You would not have faith in God if it wasn't for him who first was faithful to you. Because even when you were running away from God, he was faithful to you. Even when you and I loved other things more than we loved God, he was faithful to you. Even when you and I ran into the arms of another lover spiritually, he, the faithful husband, was faithful to you. That is the story of Hosea. He married a harlot, and she continued to go back to her lover. And Hosea was showing us something about God's faithfulness. And Jesus then says that he is the groom and we are the bride. And we are the bride that continues to go after other lovers. And he is the faithful groom who every time takes us back. And who then laid his life down for his bride so that she could be sanctified, so that she could be made holy and without blemish or spot, 
so that then we could receive the Holy Spirit and we could then be justified and we could then experience intimacy with God so that we could then be forgiven because Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty for your sins. God has been so faithful to me and so faithful to you even when we're the ones running away. Well, how does this work in a home group? What is the application of this truth of we are united because of the gospel, because of the very word of God, and he's been faithful to us as revealed in his word? Well, you feel, in your next blank, you, in a home group, you will feel God's faithfulness. You will feel his faithfulness. And you're thinking, well, I don't understand. What do you, what do you exactly mean by that? Well, here's what I mean. When you're in a home group, if you're not faithful to it, guess what? you will get nothing out of it. If you're not faithful to your home group, forget it. You have to be faithful to really receive those blessings from it. But not only do you have to be faithful, but guess what? There are people in that room who will be faithful to you. If you're having a hard time, they're going to be there for you. And in a home group, we cry together. In a home group, we celebrate together. We do it all together. We're faithful to each other in our home groups. It becomes your family, your home away from home, in, in a city where, quite honestly, those of us that are involved in church life might not feel this thing, but for a lot of people, this is a very lonely place. You, you meet people just in restaurants or on the street or whatever, and, and I try to do that, and people are lonely here. But in a home group, you experience people being faithful to you and you being faithful to them, and then you have the chance to reflect as a mirror our God who is always faithful to us. But if you don't go to a home group, then you don't have a group to be faithful to, and you won't experience others being faithful to you, to be there when you need it. You will better understand God's faithfulness when you are living in community. And so, first of all, we unite around the Word of God. Second, we're unified with fellowship with God. So, number two in your notes on the back is fellowship. And so, we are unified by God's Word. And secondly, we're unified by fellowship with God. Verse 21, he says, That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus reveals that he and the Father are one. They share the same divine essence. There's one trinity, three persons, but they're all equally God. And they share, he's saying, we're together, you're in me. So they have this really personal, deep relationship. And then he prays. He prays that us, that we may, he says, that they may be in us, Father. And so Jesus wants us to experience the kind of intimacy with him that he has with the Father. And so he wants you to experience him and the Father the same way that he experienced that intimacy. He yearns that we would know him and enjoy him. And so he's connecting something here. He is saying that our being a unit or having intimacy flows from our intimacy with him. And so fellowship with God leads to fellowship within the church. And so when you are having fellowship with God and you are in us, as Jesus prays, in Jesus with the Father and the Trinity, 
then that will enable you to experience fellowship with others. Why? Well, how does that work? Well, it's really not that complicated. It's deeply spiritual, but it's not complicated. All of us share the Holy Spirit. It's the same one. It's the same Holy Spirit that is in you, that is in me, that is in other believers all around the world. He's the same one. And so we all fellowship with God through the spirit that all of us share, and that brings us closer together. It binds us together. But if someone is here and they don't have the Holy Spirit, if someone is here and they've never received Christ as their Savior, well, then that person doesn't have fellowship with God. And so then the rest of us that do have the Holy Spirit, that are fellowshiping with God, well, if we don't share that spirit, then we're not going to be as close. We might connect on other more peripheral things, but at the deepest level, we share the fact that all of us know God through his spirit. And that brings us together. Now, let's just be honest, just for a second, right? It's just us here this morning. Being in a church like ours that's very multi-ethnic has a lot of blessings, right? I hope you can see some, some head nods. Yes, there's blessings with being in a very diverse church. But let's just be honest, sometimes it's hard. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's challenging to talk to someone that has a different heart language from you. It's hard to talk to someone who you can barely understand. What are they saying? I don't understand that accent really well. Sometimes it's hard when there's cultural expectations and, and you don't know what those are. And then you, you come from a culture where maybe you're very loud and rambunctious and someone else is just a quieter, reserved cultural background. And then you're just not on the same wavelength. It can be challenging to be in a place that is so diverse. Now, there's blessings, and I love it here. But let's just be frank. It can be hard. But we're in this together, and all of us share the Holy Spirit. God has called all of us to Abu Dhabi. And all of us have to call the same AC repair guys and say, hey, my AC is not working, and struggle through the language barrier. And then they say, oh, yes, inshallah, no problem. Be two days. Six weeks later, your AC still doesn't work. That's my life right now at home. So I'm just sharing. It took four months to have our dishwasher you know, in, installed. And so we're all in this together. We're all having to hear the inshallah. You're like, nah, I don't believe you. It is God's will. Just come today. It's my will. I just want the AC to work. We're in this together. We're in this together. We really are. Yes, we're different. Yes, we may have different heart languages. And yes, there's challenges with that. But honestly, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. There's, there's nowhere else that I want to be. And I hope that you have that same desire, where even if your job is hard, even if your villa isn't always working at optimal level, because none of them are, it seems like, but that's just Abu Dhabi. We're in this together. We need to be a united people, a true family. We need to act like the family that we are, because we're the family of God. 
That's who we are. You see, you've been adopted by God and given his spirit. But when he adopted you, guess what you inherited? A whole bunch of siblings. You've been adopted by the Father into his spiritual family. But you're not an only child. I'm sorry to be the one to tell you this, but you are not an only child. He's adopted you, and you have a whole bunch of siblings from many different diverse backgrounds, and you must be united. But we cannot look to just earthly things to unite us. We must be united around the word of God and around the fellowship. Each of us individually fellowships with God, and then together we fellowship as a body. And so how does this work? Well, basically, God has loved and accepted you. Listen, God loves and accepts you, how you are. He's accepted you. How do you know? How do you know if you're here today and you're just wrestling with that, saying, I I don't know, man. I just don't know if God really loves me. I've messed up so bad. I've made so many mistakes. I don't know if God really accepts me. Does God like me? Does God really want me? If you ever wonder, all you have to do is look to the cross. Just look to the cross. That's all you have to do. And what you see there is the greatest display of love that could have ever been shown. Because God loves you, he sends his son. Even when we were sinners, Christ died for us. And I don't care how you feel. I'm the one to tell you, based upon his word, that he loves you and he accepts you. And you can have fellowship with the Father through the Son, made possible because of his spirit. And in your home group, What will you see? You will see God's love. See, in your home group, next one, in your notes, you will see God's love. You see, unity with others leads to a fuller experience of God himself. And so you cannot divorce the call to love God from the call to love your neighbor as yourself. And so the call is to love God and love others, and it's part of the same great commandment. And so if you are to love God, then you must love others. They're interrelated, interconnected. And in your home group, you will experience love. Because when you mess up, people will be there to love you and to hold you up and to pray for you and to encourage you. And and when you're doing well and someone else is struggling, then you can show God's love to them and encourage them and build them up. And so we do it for each other. We do life together. And so you see God's love. You experience it on this side of heaven in a very real way when you're doing life with other people. If you do life alone, you won't feel God's love. You can't. Because God has not made you to live life alone. He has designed you for a community with him and with others. You need it. You need it. And you will truly see God's love. And you'll have the chance to feel acceptance and love from others. And you'll have opportunity to accept and love others who sometimes you're like, yeah, I don't know about this person. That person's kind of weird in my home group. You know, he's kind of different or he talks kind of funny. Well, so do you. Maybe 
from his ears. You're the one that sounds kind of funny, looks kind of weird. All right, it's all about perspective. My point is, you have the chance to feel love and then to express it in a home group in a very real way. And so what unites us, first of all, is God's word. And second of all is fellowship with God. Third of all, what unites us is the mission of God. The mission of God. We've, we've just read this a couple of times. I want to read it again. Verses 22 and 23. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. Listen to this. He has given it to us that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world, this is key, why? So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Christ displayed his glory by redeeming lost people, and then he has given it to us to reflect back. He's allowed us to have just a glimpse, just a shadow to reflect back to the source of all glory. And he was glorified on the cross. That's where he displayed his glory. The cross of Christ is the most incredible, supernatural display of the glory of God. Through humbled service, Jesus came, was sinless, died for you. Okay, the king of glory, the fountain of of wisdom, the author of life, the one who holds the universe together by the power of his word. Okay, just, you just think for a second who Jesus is. The eternal son of God, the word of God, the means by which God accomplishes all things. He became a human and he died a criminal's death horribly shamed for you so that humans could be redeemed and forgiven justified before the Father. That is not a message that you hear by any other faith on this planet because we don't deserve it. We don't deserve God's goodness, but he earned it for us. Jesus died in our place. And so on the cross, which we see here, is something incredibly supernatural. The wrath of God coming upon Christ so that we can then receive his righteousness given to us. And then, if that wasn't incredibly enough, he then says, now you go and carry this gospel and tell others about my glory and tell others how I died for them and was resurrected. And then you go and make more followers for me. And we get to be the ambassadors to tell others. And when we have unity, he says that we be one so that others will know, so that the world will believe that the Father sent the Son. And so here's what he is saying. When we don't have unity, so disunity in the church leads to atheism. Disunity in the church leads to atheism. People don't believe the message. They don't believe us. We're saying Jesus loves you. He died for you. Will you repent and believe in the gospel? And they say, Psh, no, I don't believe your message because they see us and we don't even get along. And they don't believe us. 
And so they stay in their atheism. But the reverse is true, that when we have unity, when we are perfectly one, they will believe. Because that's what the church is. The church is the means that God displays his wisdom and glory to the world. And so what are we reflecting? What are we showing the world? If we show bickering and disunity and church splits and complaining, if that's what we're showing, then that's what we're reflecting. And people say, I don't really need that. I had that at work. I can go to work to get bickering and complaining. Why do I want to go to church for that? I get that every day at work. I have it to hold my wife. It's like, I don't want any more of that. They don't want to come. But when they see something different, they see supernatural love and acceptance, all of a sudden, the message of redemption rings true. And so our unity is critical if we're to accomplish the mission. If, if we're to have influence, we'll talk about the next two weeks, if we're to have influence for Jesus, we have to get this right. We have to. It's not negotiable, but it's hard, and it can't be faked. Ever try to fake a friendship? Because your mom said, talk to that girl over there. You're like, Mom, I don't want to be your friend. Well, she needs a friend, and, so you, and, you, and you go try to fake it, and how long are y'all friends for? Probably not very long. You can't fake it. You can't manufacture it, but you see, through the power of the Spirit, we can commit to love each other and love and accept each other. And then you know what happens inside of us? We begin to change. We begin to see others how Jesus sees them. And all of a sudden, it's not faked. It's not manufactured. It's real. But it takes obedience. And so in your home group, you will learn to do. How to do what? Have obedience to God. You'll learn to have obedience in your nose. Obedience to God. And so you see something, you feel something, but you learn to do something as well. You learn to do, to be more obedient in your home group. Because you're confronted by people that are, by by the way, messy. Every one of us is messy. If I went to your bathroom at home, I bet you it's messy. If I went to your bedroom before everyone comes over, I bet it's messy too. Or if I went to your kitchen, I bet you that's messy. Not, Not only our homes, but I guarantee you, that on the inside, every one of us is messy because we're not perfect. Humans, by our very nature, are messy. Ministry is messy. It just is. We're not perfect. And that's work of the Spirit in sanctifying us, making us more like Jesus. And so when you go to a home group, guess what's going to happen in your hands? They're going to get dirty. They're going to get dirty. By who? Other people. Just, that's going to happen to you. But you know what else is going to happen? In this relationship, you will learn to be more like Christ because you have to love others, and they're going to love you, and you'll be held accountable. You'll be challenged and spurred on to grow because you can't do it alone. And so we're not talking about you reaching some kind of a holy perfection because you're never going to reach holy perfection. But we are talking about living in community based upon his word, fellowship with God, that leads you to having a holy direction. And you can live a life of holy direction. You can, but you can't do it alone. You need community. And home groups are a very helpful way to have. Now, by the way, if you've never been to a home group, I've I've been in one for now three weeks. We just started it 
we have like 18 people in there. And so it's like a little small church now in like just a few weeks. There are others as well. And there's people in there that are first timers. They're new to home groups. Well, if you've never been to a home group, don't picture group therapy, all right? Don't think that we're all sitting around and we're all sharing all of our deepest, darkest struggles and, and there's someone that saying, huh, so how does that make you feel? No, it's not Dr. Phil. It's not, it's not group therapy, all right? It's a Bible study, but it is intentional on having discussion where you learn from each other and just doing life together. And in this, you're going to form relationships where the hope is, the plan, the strategy is that you will have accountability with one or two people. Not, not, not the whole group, but it is important. You need the relationships. You need the encouragement. You can't do it alone. I can't say it enough times. You can't do it alone. But a lot of you, you're trying. You hear me say you can't do it alone, but you really are trying to do it alone. And you say, well, I'm just, I'm just too busy. Well, you are. And some of you, I, I'm sorry to step on toes, but some of you are. You're just too busy. You are too busy. You're doing too much. And I want to challenge you to look at your calendar. Take an honest look at your calendar. Why are you so busy? Yes, I know if, if work is busy, you can't change that. I'm not talking about work. I'm talking about what you do in the evenings and on the weekends. What are you doing? How many activities are your kids in? I talk to people that their kids are in three, four activities, and the parents are just chauffeurs. This is just my opinion. This is not in the Bible, all right? This, this is just Matthew Levant speaking, my two cents. Take it or leave it. But we as a family have made a commitment that we let our kids be in at most just one activity. Just one. Because if you start adding more, every night of the week they're out doing something and you really don't have time and you really are busy. So I'm not denying the truth that you are busy. But what I'm asking is why? What is going on? What have you placed as a value that is so high that now there is literally no time to even think or breathe, or talk to your spouse, or even talk to your kids, or go to a home group, you're just, you're just too busy. And I ask you to look in the mirror, and look at your calendar, and pray, and say, God, what can I cut out? Because I feel like I don't have time to even breathe, much less go to a home group. This is important. This does matter. As a church, really, we ask you to come to church on Friday mornings, and that's it. That's the only thing that we expect. We ask you to have these three elements, growth, which publicly that's coming on Friday morning. Of course, you have your private growth, but publicly you come on Friday mornings. Community, we're saying go to a small group. And then influence, find a way in the church and or outside to influence for Christ. That's it. It's really simple. Growth, community, and influence. And so this part of community, what does your community look like? Do you have Christ-centered relationships? I'm telling you, you won't grow if you don't. You won't, because you do, you're doing it against God's revealed plan. And so if you're trying to do it outside of a discipleship group, you're not going to have the joy and you're not going to grow. And so what unites us is the word of God, fellowship with God, and the last thing we're looking at is the mission. We share the gospel. We share this together, that we are making disciples together. And so we share that, and we have in common, and it unites us. 
this common goal. Nothing else matters because nothing else is eternal. Only this matters. And so one last point as, as we close this morning, we talked about it last week, I'm going to mention it again here briefly, is the issue of church membership. You really can't talk about community and not mention church membership. Last week we talked about how it shows your commitment to Christ, commitment to his redemptive plan, and being part of an identifiable, specific local community. By the way, if you become a member at ECC Off-Island, it does not mean that you have to renounce membership in your home country. We have no problem with you maintaining membership in your home country. You might go there for the holidays or the summer, or you might go there next year or two. And so we want to be sensitive to that. And so we're not asking you to give up your home church membership. And so you can, of course, keep that. What we are saying is, while you're here, the season that God has you in Abu Dhabi, will you commit? Will you, will you truly commit to this body of believers and doing it God's way? And so before you become a member, number one, you have to have a personal faith in Christ. You have to have that. You can't be a member if you're still seeking, if you will. If you're seeking, please keep seeking, please keep coming, but let's just wait for membership until you make that commitment. And if you have questions on that, come talk to me. I'd be happy to meet with you. And I'll be a lot quieter on 101, all right? I'm not nearly as intense all the time. Well, I am intense, though. But we can talk if you're wondering what that looks like. So number one, you have to have a personal faith in Christ. Number two, you have to believe in our statement of beliefs. There's just a handful on just one page, some core doctrines based on the Bible that we will not negotiate on. Those are critical. If you don't agree with those, you can't be a member here. And so they're at the back table. Pick it up, read them, read the verses, pray, and see if you agree wholeheartedly. The second document is our church covenants. This is a document that basically is your commitments, what we commit to you as leadership and what you commit to the church. And so this is a commitment, kind of like the wedding ring. You don't have to have a wedding ring to be married, but the very nature of the relationship requires something visible to say, hey, I'm in. This is my wife, and I'm not ashamed of her. Well, this is the covenant. This is saying, this is my church. I'm not ashamed of her. And so we ask you to read that covenant because you have to sign that before an elder to be a member. And the third thing is the, is the Constitution. That's how we're governed. It just describes how this church works as, as an institution, if you will. And so it is important that you look at those three documents at the back table. In two weeks, when we close this series on our mission, when we finish John 17 on the 23rd of November, so again, two more Fridays, it's a very special day. Not just because we kind of close our discussion on why are we here, how are we going to accomplish it, but because that's, I'm calling it Membership Friday on the 23rd. We'll talk about influence a little bit, about happy time, but then we're going to read the covenants together. We're going to hand out a card. And if you've been praying, hopefully you have, and reading those documents, and if on that day, if you feel God leading you to make this your faith family, where you're an official member, you fill out that card. And then we'll collect it at the end. And at that point, an elder will contact you. One of our elders, myself or one of the other three elders, will, will give you a call. We'll arrange a meeting. It could be a mug and bean in someone's home, your home, whatever. It, it can be casual, but we'll have a meeting. 
and you'll share your story of how you received Christ and how God brought you here. We just want to get to know you better. Because if you're going to be a member, we want to know who you are a little bit better. A lot of you are new, and that's okay. We, we want to know you. And so that card will let us know that you feel God leading you to become a member, so we'll contact you. And if that meeting goes well, if you understand and have your questions answered, you sign the covenant, the constitution, then at that point, we'll add you on to the roles and be an official church member. So that's how it's going to work. And so we'll spend some time on the 23rd quiet and praying and reading the covenant and passing up the cards. And it's just going to be a celebration on Membership Friday on the 23rd. And so if you, if you desire that, and I pray that you do, you don't want to miss that day in two weeks. We're in this together. We really are. There's nowhere else to turn but to Christ and do it with his people. And so my question for you as we close this morning really is, is, is are you in? Are you in with a church that seeks to glorify God by making and developing disciples? Is this what your heart beats fast for? I, I pray that it is. This is what mine beats fast for. And if it is, then let's do this together. I'm going to ask where you can please come to the front. And as they come to the front, I want to pray for you and just ask that these truths of community would really sink in and that we would pursue it and that we wouldn't just hear it, but that we would really act on it. If you have questions on receiving Christ, there's a card in the back you can fill out and I can contact you so we can talk about your spiritual journey. If you've heard the message on, I need to join a home group, there are sign-up sheets in the back. That same table has all these documents, and you can pick up a join a home group sign-up sheet. You just fill it out, tell us which day is good for you, where you live, and I'll give you a call this week, and I'll walk you through, try to find the best match based upon your needs with the right home group. And so we want you to find a place to have growth in community. Will you pray with me? Father, we are truly humbled that you would hear from us today. We don't deserve you. We don't deserve to even approach you or speak to you. We are unworthy to even approach you. But we thank you that as we approach your throne of grace, we do it confidently knowing that you hear us. We thank you that you have spoken to us through your word. We had the revelation that was given to us through your son and passed on by the work of your spirit through the disciples. And now today, we have your word and we thank you. We can read it. We can be challenged and encouraged to pursue you in community. If anyone is here and, and they're struggling with what it means to follow Jesus, I would pray that you would enlighten their mind, that they would believe, repent of their sins, and trust in you alone, Jesus. And if anyone here has been just thinking about membership or thinking about a home group or a place to use their gifts to serve in the body, I pray that you would just work in their hearts this morning. We are humbled that you would allow us to reflect your glory but we thank you for the privilege of being your ambassadors here on this earth, here in Abu Dhabi. In November of 2012, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And we just pray 
in your name be praised.